Yes, 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 people! It's day five of the Fantasia International Film Festival, and today we've got a film and a documentary for you. Okay, so before we get into that, here's a little bit of news. All right? Okay, let's go. Well, this is pretty big news. British Colombian actor and musician Finn Wolfhard, he burst onto the world stage in the culture-shifting Netflix series Stranger Things with subsequent performances in the It films, The Goldfinch, The Turning and the Adams Family, among others, and forthcoming roles in Jason Reitman's Ghostbusters Afterlife, and Guillermo del Toro and Mark Gustafson's recently announced Pinocchio, Wolfhard has solidified his standing as a major international talent. Now, at the age of 17, he's completed his debut as a writer-director. The clever, character-driven comedy short Night Shifts, premiering in the Fantasia lineup this year, to celebrate the launch of his move into storytelling, Fantasia will be presenting a live virtual artist talk with Finn Wolfhard in conversation with none other than Jay Brushenell. It takes place Saturday the 29th of August at 2pm EDT. Um, it's free of charge and accessible worldwide. So you do not require registration it will be held exclusively on Fantasia's YouTube channel. The link will be in the episode descriptions. So people, if you um yeah, if you're fascinated by the talent of Finn Wolfhard and you want an insight into his life, well this is your opportunity. So do not miss his conversation with Jay Brushanel Saturday the 29th of August 2 p.m. Okay, so just checked out the five rules of success and this is an interesting film. I, I I think it brings up a lot of a lot of questions, right? So it was written um and directed by Orson Obloyowitz. Uh, produced by Christian de Gallos. Uh, the music is from Daniel Delara. Um, director of photography is also Oblojevic. Um 
Now, the gist of the film is this, okay? So, it says, we are first introduced to X, an enterprising ex-con, in a long tracking shot as he leaves prison after serving his sentence. With all the odds playing against him, X prepares to rebuild his life by facing insurmountable obstacles. Mm. Which is interesting, right? So, Oblogovic uses the backdrop of a detective film to investigate the inequality of the US justice system in a corrupt landscape. Uh, Visually and dramatically expressive, the film immerses us in X's passage in purgatory in his quest for redemption. Okay, Um, now also, right, it explores racial violence, cynical oppression, and um, yeah, as mentioned, the punitive justice system, um, because it can keep a man on the ground. For X, life after prison is just another confrontation with a new set of inequalities. An abusive parole officer, strict probation rules, and crushing limits take a toll on his entrepreneurship and spiritual health. As millions of people have taken to the streets to defend their rights in recent months, the five rules of success is inspired by the anger and uncertainty that reigns in the American mind. So, yeah, I think that's, you know, that's really interesting, you know, because it also says, you know, that it's inspired by the anger and uncertainty, um, wait, an absolutely vivid portrait of the American dream that reveals the prejudices and cruelties inherent in a system that advocates rehabilitation, you know, so, like, I think all of those points are very valid, right, and as I said, the film throws up a lot of questions, a lot of questions, I don't know if it really explores all the things that it has set out to explore, You know, I think we've got some great performances, you know, like um, Santiago Segura plays X, Uh, Jonathan Howard plays Danny, who is the son of uh, Avankin, who's played by John Skaraloff. Um... Yeah, I think they're the main players here. Uh, you know, it's it is fascinating, right? And as I said, look, the people involved play the role very well. Like, you know, what I mean, all the roles are played well. But yeah, to kind of you know, if we're looking at 
Joe, the unfairness of getting out of jail. I'm not quite sure if that is shown. Right? We definitely see the abusive parole officer. We see that dynamic. Um, I mean, there, there's no real subtlety with that. It's, it's very overt. And I think you you guess, like, where that story is kind of leading us. You know, and the, and the ways in which it's going to be problematic. I think we see that from the first... Yeah, the first meeting. There's no real encouragement. You know, it, 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 it's a lot of kind of, um, you know, you might as well just commit a crime. You're going to fail. You're going to go back to jail. You know, you're a piece of shit. I own you. You know, it, it, it's kind of that narrative from her. Right? But some of the other stuff... Now, I, the way the film is shot, I really like the way it's shot, right? Because there's there's a, a lot of this film that's kind of in X's head. Now, we don't always get, like, a, you know, a narration of his mindset or anything like that. But we see him kind of looking at the world in a certain way. And, um, you know, we, we have things like a, a sped up view, you know, or a different kind of lens. So we get tonally, you know, a different look on the world. You know, a Blogovich, he, um, he sometimes as well has like X in a, um, in a certain position, but then everything around him is kind of sped up. And he's observing. So these little touches. Yo that's great. And we have X do these weird. Like there's a bit where he's given this opportunity. And he sits there and he howls like a wolf. So we have all of this kind of looking to his mindset. And I think it works. Like that side of things. That works. Right. That's great. We also see him, like, he has an understanding of, like, these things can get me in trouble. Like, I want to, you know, I can't do these things. I want to stay away from these things. So we we get that side of things. And, hmm, before I get into the other stuff, I think... You know, the film is called, you know, The Five Rules of Success. And um, we do see that, right? We see X use those rules as a framework. You know, they are kind of like chapter heads as well. You know, throughout the film. You know, it's, it's just like... Um, you know, like we'll get a rule... Will come up on the screen. Sometimes X will kind of say something, you know, like he's understanding of, or yeah, you know, be like, well, ba 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 ba, you know, this is this is this, and so we'll have him do that. 
so the rules that he has set himself, you know, the rules that X, you know, X is living by are aim high, be delusional. Like, that's one. Two, block all negativity. Three, manifest goals into reality from discipline and perseverance. Perseverance, right? Four, prioritize health, mental and physical. And five, never rely on anyone or anything. And yeah, these, these are, I mean, they are good in a way, right? You can trap yourselves within them, right? But that's that's what he's kind of given himself to try and stay, to try and stay focused, right? When you actually Google five rules of success, you get find your vision and follow it. Never ever think small. Think big. Ignore the naysayers. Work your ass off and don't just take, give back. So they are, you know, they're similar, right? So the actual five rules and five rules X has given himself are similar, but we don't see him stick to these, right? Which is the, it's the weird thing. And I think it's the thing that we don't see in the film, right? Now the film shows us a lot in a way, like because throughout you know, especially at the beginning, you get an understanding that X is coming from something. Like, there's something that is weighing him down. There's something he's trying to separate himself from. And it happened in his childhood. Right? So, for ages, we, we're we trying to work out what this is. And we're seeing, like, flashes. There was definitely something dark happened, something bad. And towards the end of the film, we actually see the thing, right? We see what happened. And it is baffling. There is a baffling kind of consequence of that. Because you're kind of wondering, wait, how did that it get to there when you understand what must have happened? But... You know, I guess that is one of the inequalities that Obolovich is trying to show. But so we have him have this thing. And I don't know, we you're kind of assuming that it was that that had him in prison, but you're not quite sure. You never really know what the actual thing is from what he's coming out of jail from. Right, but we just know he's come out of jail. Now he comes out of jail, he does get opportunity. He is given work, right? So he's given this thing, and as I mentioned before, he's he's given opportunities to grow and expand, right? But his second rule block negativity. You know, he doesn't do that. Right, we, we see him mention it at, at the beginning You know, he says at the beginning Like, I don't do that, you know 
you don't get it. I'm I'm an ex-con. Like we see that, but then things change and we don't get why. We don't see why. So this is the thing. All we do is have him go, right, I want to do this. You know, I want to do this. Now, it is because we don't really get the time frame, right? We don't understand how much time has gone from getting out of jail, getting a job, to later in the film. Right, you, you. I guess you're assuming there's been a few months, but we don't know how long. Because I think that's very important as well to where the story goes. You know, because we have one of his aim high aspirations. It is kind of crazy when you think of the time, but you think, okay, fine. Is it there's having that in your mind as this is where I want to be? That's always that's all good, but then I think it's problematic from where that leads him. But we don't really see why he's suddenly why there's this big change in oh, I now am going to go against my five rules. I'm going to go against uh, a lot of the things I've set myself. Because there isn't anything really in the film where we get that. Because you kind of feel if he stays on the path he's on at the beginning, he can get somewhere. Obviously, it's going to be a bit slow, right? But he's getting, he's, you know, there's a talk like, oh, like, it took me this amount of time to do this. And he's just like, oh, well, there's a difference between you and me. You know? But it's just like, why the sudden jump? Right? Because that jump drastically alters his trajectory. Yeah. I think that's the interesting thing. And that's the part of the story that we don't see. Because he does have every... Like... He's getting guided. You know? But then he... That disappears. And it would be interesting to get into that mindset. Now, we understand that there is something that happens which... Obviously, is upsetting. Right? But even to get to that bit, like he suddenly all these decisions are getting made and we're we're not quite sure yeah, why? You know, we're seeing these things and we're seeing them in a certain way and it's interesting. But I think it's the lack of I I think it's the film veers, right? And I think it's that veering that takes you out slightly, because you start, because you're, you know, you're gaining an insight, but then you're kind of dragged out, because you don't know why this stuff, so it's hard to contain and continue with empathy towards X, because of, like, certain things that are happening, you know, and so that becomes problematic, right, but the film goes and it's interesting how it goes you know, towards its climax. Like, certain things happen. 
you do feel that there's a moment in the film between X and Danny that doesn't quite make sense because there isn't there is a conversation in the bar earlier in the film right that kind of indicates a certain like clears kind of clears up a certain thing and there hasn't again there hasn't been anything to show any blurring of those lines right so then this next conversation you're feeling like oh where does it's hard to kind of tell where that comes from and then the events that come from that you do kind of wonder huh Right, because you feel that from where X has come from He should be more aware of certain consequences But he, but for some reason he's not Even though when the climax comes I think everyone can see what's going to happen I don't think it's like, oh, I wonder where this is going to go now Like, I think everyone gets it Right, but he doesn't So that's a little bit weird A little bit odd You know um, Now, it's shot well, right Everything is shot well But there are some But there are these fragmentations of the story Which, yeah Makes it less impactful And as I said It then makes you wonder Because I'm like I don't think some of these questions that are asked in the 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 bio of the film are answered. You know, I don't think it it fully shows like certain of these things. You know, which is a shame. It is a shame because you kind of feel ah, oh, it was it was working up to having that having that tapestry. But it just kind of, yeah, it loses its way Now it's still interesting But I just think not as impactful as it could have been But um, yeah, definitely worth a watch There is a second screening uh, on the 1st of September So um, if you missed it today people Go check it out on the 1st uh, you know, And there's a Q&A on the 1st So yeah you you probably want to check that out You know, I think um, Orson might have some interesting things to say You know, uh, definitely about how he shot it And why it went in certain directions Okay, so um, yeah, there it is The five rules of success Yeah Let us know what you think, maybe Alright, cool Okay, so I've just checked out You Can't Kill David Arquette Which, uh, yeah, it's a documentary from directors David Doug and Price James Right, uh, it's produced by Ross Levin, Christina McLarty Arquette, Brian Musa and Stacey Sufa Um the music is from Matt Glass Cinematography is again Doug and James And <laughs> this, 
This is strange, right? Because, like, I remember a lot of this going down. But at the time, you only saw one side of it. You didn't really understand what the hell was happening. So it was fascinating to be able to see just everything. The genesis and just how it grew and evolved. Right, so the basis is this, right? Branded as the most hated man in wrestling after winning a highly controversial WCW World Heavyweight Championship in 2000, actor David Arquette attempts a rocky return to the sport that stalled his promising Hollywood career. Dangerously determined to redeem his reputation and reclaim his self respect. Arquette will stop at nothing to earn his place in professional wrestling. So, yeah, I remember those times, like WCW was on TNT, because it actually aired in the UK, right? Like, WWF wasn't, but, like, WCW was, so you could check it out. And, you know, it was those... It was the viewing war at that time, right? So they were competing, trying to get traction. And I just remember, like, WCW went through a load of different people, like, you know, coming through and, you know, attempting to do stuff. And when they had Arquette win the belt, it was, it was kind of crazy, right? I did not realise everyone hated it so much Which does seem It seems a little much, right? Because wrestling is fake Now, understand, right? You, You know that the bumps are real You know the grind is real It's just fake in the respect that They know who's going to win Right, you go in knowing who who's gonna win, but it's choreography. You know, it's like um, aerobic gymnastics, right? In the Olympics with the band and all of that. That's what wrestling is. It's it's athletic, you know, but it's not. Yeah, it's not real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah, the, the fact that everyone is so crazy about it is a little weird but you know i get the wrestlers being mad but again it's um dallas page kind of breaks it down in the documentary right this wasn't something that everyone knew going in like the writers just said oh by the way this is what's gonna happen and Who's going to turn that down? <laughs> you know what I mean? That I think the interesting thing, though, is... Because um, at the beginning of this, it does seem like it's a bit of a joke. It seems like... I don't know, it's hard to take it seriously. Right? Because what what you're seeing... We've got Arquette, and he's talking about his, his need to do this thing. But you... But, I don't know, like, n- the question is never asked, and he never even, you know, attempts to put out there, 
why does he wait so long? Right, if he's always loved the sport, if he's always really just wanted to, you know, wash away that that thing, why wait this long? Right, so there's that. Then we find out that he's just had a heart attack, which, and we don't even, like, there's a bit where we find out he's got stents. So, I think that's not necessarily a heart attack, right? You could get those, there's a few reasons why you might get those. And the doctor mentions blood pressure. But then later on, you know, Patricia drops that he actually had a heart attack. So it's just like, well, what? So there's so much. But even without knowing there was a heart attack, there's so much of it that you're thinking, why? Like, how serious is this? Because, you know, he jokes around, oh, I've never really grown up and I've always wanted to be, you know, I always felt like a kid and blah, blah, blah. And that always, I don't know, always seems like a red flag, right? So you you wonder. And even his attempt to get back into it, it all seems a bit half assed Yo, like, nothing really seems truly committed. You know, he's not in shape. He's in no shape whatsoever. You kind of think, right, if you want to do this, if if you're really that committed, get in shape. You know, do that. But he doesn't. So, yeah, you're kind of thinking, ugh. Then he goes to this... Um, backstage, backyard wrestling thing, and those those guys are dicks, right? We we see them and they literally just yeah they just beat him up, right? They beat him up, which is just, I mean, it's not cool. It's not cool at all, but it it does highlight that. Whatever you do, you know what I mean? You're always going to... There's always these certain type of peoples, right? And also with the backyard thing, the, the setup just isn't safe. The ring collapses at one point. It's just a shit show. So with that being a mess, like he goes in with this... Uh, Terrible costume It's just It's all a bit ridiculous And so we're just thinking Like what Like where's the joke Right where's the big reveal That this is really You know Whatever whatever But then after that We we see I don't know It seems to turn a corner Right we see him, you know, he goes, talks to Dimas Dallas Page, right, DDP, which you kind of wonder, like, why didn't he do that in the first place? Why didn't he do that in the first place? You know, it is one of those things where he's criticised for the whole WCW thing for taking shortcuts, 
But to get back into it, he takes shortcuts. You know, there's that irony. But then he finally, it seems like he finally commits. Finally commits. And yeah, he goes to speak to DDP. And he goes to a proper wrestling school. And even with that, you have people that are just a bit like, oh. Well, you know, he's going to realise that this is serious. He might not even get a water break. And it's just like, whoo, this is messy, man. Because this is the thing, right? And and you hear a lot of people talking. When you, like, just doing other sports. Like, let's look at, um, you know, mixed martial arts. It's not about going to a place where people are just... Looking to brawl You want somebody that's going to take it seriously You know And you hear Like um, Celebrities, certain celebrities Like Russell Peters talks about it Like when he first got into jujitsu He took privates Because he wasn't sure If people, yeah, were going to Go crazy on him at first Right And uh, you kind of feel that why didn't Arquette do that? It's like no due diligence is done. So it is insane. But he then goes to Tijuana and he, he's training with the luchadors, which at the beginning it seems to be a bit rocky. Seems to be a bit rocky. And you're still not quite sure. Right? Not quite sure. But it's at the end of the street wrestling. Yes, people, street wrestling. Right? It's at the end of that. That, yeah, it, it seems to turn, right? You seem to then feel, actually, I think he's in it, right? I think he's in it. Yo, he's in a lot better shape now. And he seems committed. And now we're seeing him, you know, just do a lot of kind of indie shows. Like he does some work with, I think it's RJ City. And he seems to be doing it the right way. So you're in there, you're following it, you're like, oh shit, yeah, okay. And it, you, you, you know what I mean? You're, you're hoping he succeeds. And then we see the death match. And again, this was something that you heard about. Right? You saw the images. And it was just like, wait, what the fuck is this? But you didn't know. Like, no one knew, really. I mean, if you were... You know, into the indie scene, you might have known, right? But just the casual, you know, person that doesn't watch wrestling, all you hear is that Arquette nearly killed himself in this death match. And you see the images and he's covered in blood and it's just like, what the fuck? And yeah, so we actually see what goes down with that. And it is... <laughs> It is insane. 
It is rather unprofessional as you imagine and as you thought from everything that we heard at the time. Right? It is a shit show. Like, oh, I, I don't know what they were thinking. But we're seeing it all, right? We, we, it's great that we get to just see all of the minutiae, all the, you know, the back workings. And it's fascinating. It really is. Especially just how that match ended, right? The incident, everything else. Yeah, that's just fascinating. It's crazy seeing, you know, Luke Perry there. And just that. You know, it, it, it's just, yeah, it's crazy. It's weird. So we're seeing all of this and then you're thinking, well, that's it, right? But the, you know, the documentary isn't close to ending. So you're just like, well, then how do, how do we fill up the rest of it? Because, like, he still can't go on after that. Because that's just crazy. But he does. Now, I, there are kind of things that you wish that, I, you know, it would have been interesting to get more into, like, that side of things. Because, you know, Christina, like, she's talking and it's just like, I, I, like I'm just worried. I had no clue what to think. He's, you know, he nearly died last night. He had a heart attack last year. Like, what happens next? What happens next? I don't know if the marriage can last. So we're hearing this, and it's just like, whoa. Yeah, this, that's concerning. But then it doesn't really follow up on that. Right? It doesn't. And... I get it, the documentary isn't about that, but that plays, you know, it plays a part in all of this. So it would have been, I feel, I don't know, show a little bit, right? Some of their kind of, how they worked it out, how they came to the compromise of how far this was going to go, right? I feel that would have added a little other dimension to the piece. But fine, like, fine. But yeah, we, we see him do more. And it was nice. Well, the, the, the two kind of endings, right? So we get a, we get a complete 360. We kind of end at where it, Initially kind of starts Right So because at the beginning when he talks about You know becoming Becoming a wrestler again Like getting back into it He goes to this spot Right and it kind of ends There so that was cool And then Just the way like they built All of that kind of Bit up and it all plays out That's that is pretty cool, right? Just seeing all of that. And then just kind of finishing with Luke's son. That was, yeah. That was nice. Right? So it, it was nice that we saw all of this. 
Um, it would have been interesting to get of some more conversation with, you know, the the old school wrestlers because we get a little bit of Ric Flair at the very beginning. But you feel that's before everything maybe went down. So it would be good to get conversations with them after everything, right? At the end of this whole two-year period. Like, we see Booker T, but you do wonder how much of that is playing to the crowd, And how much is genuine, you know, like, genuine, like, just happiness. Like, happiness for that moment, for what went down. So, yeah, it would have been nice to get more conversations with them. You know, there's obviously, there's this thing with Brian Nobbs, so maybe like that. That would have been good Just those conversations I think that would have added a little bit more But, you know, it's fine We didn't But it just would have been a a little bit more of a Kind of nicer Actually going back to those backyard dudes You know, being like Listen, right, you acted like dicks But have you followed wh- where he's gone? You know, since then, what's your views now? Like, all of that would have been fascinating. Uh, But, yeah, you know, what we do see, like, it is good. Like, you do, I feel you do get invested. You know, it does a great job of sucking you into it. And, you know, just seeing how certain people react, like his daughter, you know, at the beginning, how she is, to then how she is at the end. You know, his wife, just, you know, Christina, just seeing her at the end. So those kind of moments, see, those reactions, they do, (laughs) man, they do kind of touch you, for real, they do touch you. It is emotional, you know, and that's great, because I was not expecting that, right, I guess watching this is like watching the Bross documentary, because you don't expect to like the Bross documentary, you know what I mean, and I think this hits you like that, because you go in really just like, okay, let me, let me see what this is, and you come out, hey, you come out a fan, you know, you come out just going, I'm really pleased, I'm happy you got to do that, you know, I'm happy that he was able to go back and just course correct, you know what I mean, like really live that dream and do it do it the way he kind of wanted to, you know, so, yeah, that was great, that was great, I, I would highly recommend this, and um, I believe it's being released digitally on the 28th, you know, so, um, if you weren't able to see it as part of Fantasia, 
Then, uh, yeah, on the 28th of August, it's out in the world. <laughs> so, yeah, you'll be able to um, find out what the hell David Arquette was doing. You know what I mean? And it, yeah, it was all legitimate. You know what I mean? David Arquette. Ah, David Arquette's the man, man. You know what I mean? You can't kill David Arquette. Because, yo, he, he kept his spirit, man. He kept that determination. Like, you didn't think he was going to. You know, there was definitely those points at the beginning where, yeah, it seemed that he was going to give up. He wasn't, he wasn't really taking it seriously. You know, but then... But then he does, you know, I, and I think it's those moments with the luchadors, I I really think that was, you know, something that helped it turn it around for him, you know, just the way they, they embraced him, they brought him in, you know, I, I think that meant a lot, you know, just the sunset scene and just everything, yeah, I, I, I think that played a part. And <laughs> it was good to see, man. It was good to see. So uh, yeah, this it, it's a fun documentary. It's a roller coaster ride, but you come out the other end. You definitely come out the other end. Just happy. Come out happy, man. So, people, if you like a documentary, you know. If you like this, I'd say it's warts and all. You know, there is stuff that you feel they they didn't go too hard on. You know, there's stuff that they, yeah, they left out. You know, they didn't push, they didn't press. But no, I would say it's warts and all, you know. So yeah, if you want to see that, if you like that sort of thing. You know, as I, as I said, look, if you like the Bross documentary, then I feel that, yeah, you can't kill David Arquette. I feel that's for you people. So, um, if you can, check it out, you know, before the 2nd of September as part of the Fantasia International Film Festival. If you can't, 28th of August, it's out in the world, baby. Alright? So, yeah. Give it a look. Cool. Okay, people. So, yeah, that's it. Remember, check the details of the episode for links. And, um, yeah, I think we're back tomorrow. So, I think possibly we're looking at shorts tomorrow. But I can't remember. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Just check us out and you'll see what we have. If you're in um if you're in Canada, check out the you know, make sure you check out all the coverage. Okay? So um yeah, that's us people. Check you later. Peace.